practice self-love and gratitude every day. And when, and also when things get rough, uh, do anything possible to find the gifts in that lesson that life is trying to teach me. Resetters, Dr. Mindy here, and I am on a mission to teach you just how powerful your body was built to be. This podcast is about giving you the power back and helping you believe in yourself again. Let's jump in. On this episode of the Resetter Podcast, I bring you my friend Ben Zotti. So if you don't know Ben Azadi, he is the founder of the Keto Camp podcast, which I highly recommend you go listen to. He also has a very popular YouTube channel, and he is one of the more entertaining fasting and keto fellows on TikTok. So if you haven't checked out his TikTok and you want, uh, you are a TikTok fan, I highly recommend you go find Ben. But what I love most about Ben is that he and I share a deep respect for the healing power of the human body. And where I dive into understanding the principles of fasting in the most detailed path possible, Ben has dove into understanding the ketogenic diet at the deepest level possible. And so what you're going to hear in this episode is him bringing his ketogenic mindset, me bringing my fasting mindset, and us geeking out together on how we can give you the information that you need to use fasting and the state of ketosis, the ketogenic diet. We even talk about the carnivore diet in here. We even talked about fruit and things that you can do to heal yourself. That is really at the heart of what Ben and I believe. So this is the second round. Uh, We did this once before with you all and you loved it so much that we decided to do it again. And there was some great, great conversation here. We ended up setting out to do it for an hour and ended up going longer. Um, And you will see the back half of the conversation is incredible. And uh, we went down the road of everything from carnivore versus the ketogenic diet, who, sh- who shouldn't fast, um, should, uh, how, children, how we can teach children fasting. That was a really interesting concept. Should you fast if you don't have a gallbladder? Um, and we finished up with some very personal questions that you all had for us. I'm not going to tip you off, but if you are looking to deepen your understanding with fasting, ketosis, the ketogenic diet, how to use diet and fasting to heal yourself, I really hope you find some real inspiration and information in this podcast that will move your health forward. It was really, really fun to do, and I'm excited to bring it to you. So Ben Azadi, founder of the Keto Camp, and I geeking out on the power of the human body. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Resetters, as we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, my Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. So here's what you get in the academy, and I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. My academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. 
This is why I created the Reset Academy. So when you join, you gain access to all the exclusive calls where my team and I share the latest insights, we answer your burning questions, and we guide you towards your health goals. That's not it. We didn't stop there. By becoming a member, you're not just investing in a membership, but you're investing in yourself. I am such a fan of setting you up to win this year. And my academy is the best place I know to do that. I want to keep you focused. I want you to customize this for you. And I want you to succeed at your health goals this year. End of story. So if you're ready to unlock your fullest potential and embrace a fasting lifestyle, join me. If it feels good, join me. And let's make this year an incredible year for us all. So all you got to do is go visit drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy to become a member. I can't wait to welcome you. I can't wait to see you on the Zoom calls. I can't wait to be in community with you. And most importantly, let's get your health goals handled and let's do this together. It's so much better together. Together. So that's drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy. Excited to see you there. Dr. Mindy Pels, welcome back. Well, we're actually on both of our podcasts right now. So for those who didn't listen to a previous episode that I did with Mindy, we did an Ask Us Anything podcast episode several months ago, and it was a super hit. So we're doing round two. So Mindy, are you excited for round two? I'm I'm absolutely thrilled for this because the comments on the first one was like it clarified so much for people and i always think like if you wanted to sit down and pick our brains this is what you're about to do right now and one of the things i love is that we've watched so many people fast and so many people do keto that yeah this is really cool and i'm glad it's helping so many people yeah it was a a big hit and how we set this up if you follow us on instagram at dr.mindypels and at the benazadi we posted on our stories that we're going to be doing this and we had you post your questions in our IG stories. So we, Jessica, who works with Mindy, gathered all the questions for you. And if you don't get your question answered, the reason that probably might happen is because we answered on the previous episode. So we have a whole bunch of questions we're going to get through and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be uh, me and Mindy. We have a lot of alignment yes, and our premise do. is the same yes, and we, we want to just help you all. So are you ready to get this started? Yeah. With the, the little devil in me was like, if, if we don't answer your question, maybe, maybe we didn't like the question <laughs> is what I <laughs> originally thought. And then I'm like, no, no, no. I can't think of a question I never liked when it comes to keto yeah. and fasting. But um, yeah, well said. I, I would, before we jump in, I would just say that oh, the questions, this, unlike any health trend, fasting and keto is that one health trend that once you understand it, you're all, you're going to have a bazillion questions. Like it, it just is the way it is. Don't you think it's, it's got so much nuance for the individual and everybody has to find their own way out. That's so true. The more you learn, the more you want to learn so many intricacies. Look, there's nothing new about keto or fasting. It's just nuance, like you mentioned. So we're going to dive deep. And the goal is to give everybody clarity here for those listening or watching on YouTube to give you clarity, actionable steps. You get to pick our brain, which is a rare opportunity. So let's get right into this. I'm going to start the conversation. Okay. 
and get to the to fasting question. So how we're going to do this is we're going to do one fasting question, one keto question, and then we have some fun questions at the end that I reviewed that are awesome. So the first question in regards to fasting, Mindy, is going to be, can a pregnant woman practice intermittent fasting? Can pregnant women practice intermittent yeah, fasting? Th- this is this is the one that I am an absolute no. This is not your time to be fasting. And I think that what I've, the, the nuance of that question that I've heard a lot is, well, what if you're throwing up in the first trimester, you're not hungry, fasting feels the best. I would say, yeah, in some sense you're fasting because you can't hold food down, but number one priority for pregnant women is nutrition and fasting is not the tool. So you don't really want to use it even if you're throwing up all the time. You want to find foods that you don't throw up. And then the second part of that is there are other tools that once you're pregnant need to be really magnified. And that is you're going to pass your microbiome down to your child. So really get to understand what supports a healthy microbiome. Um, I've talked in Fast Like a Girl, I talk about the three Ps, polyphenol, probiotic, and prebiotic foods. I think it's a great time for not just fermented foods for a pregnant woman to drink but or eat, but also what are you putting on your skin because your baby's going to touch your skin. So making sure mm-hmm. that your products on your skin are very clean. I mean, there there are so – making sure your household products are clean – there is so much to unpack for the pregnant woman to have a healthy pregnancy and healthy baby. And fasting is not the tool that you want to be leaning into. Well said. You know, there's seasons where you want to practice fasting and there's seasons where you don't. And if you're pregnant, you're in a growing phase. You're growing a beautiful baby in, yeah. your, uh, in, your, in your stomach right now. So you want to get more mTOR, more growth. Um, so it's not ideal to practice fasting. You want to make sure you're getting your nutrition for you and for the baby. So to Mindy's point, uh, not right now, but yeah. later on, absolutely. Yeah. Down the road, like to get your pregnancy, pre-pregnancy body back, it's a great tool once you stop nursing. Then the second part of that question often is, what do you, you know, what about nursing women? And I always say just don't stimulate autophagy because you don't want any of those dysfunctional cells to be detoxed because they'll go in your bread, uh, breast milk. So you want to make sure you keep your fast shorter once you're nursing. But then, you know, in between children, it's a great way to get your body weight back to where you want it. So just not just what, not what during it, pregnancy. And what about the uh, a woman who is not pregnant, but she's aiming to get mm-hmm. pregnant? She's aiming to conceive. Yeah. Um, should she practice fasting? I, I think that's actually a really good nuance um, because the answer is yes. Um, in fact, we're seeing with uh, the fasting cycle, which is how to time different length fasts, for different times of a woman's menstrual cycle. When we give them um, the fasting cycle to step into and to try, we've watched, you know, this, we have a small sample size on this particular topic, but I've seen five women get pregnant that were struggling to get pregnant and using the fasting cycle and customizing that for her, she, all five got pregnant. So it's a great tool for getting pregnant. In fact, I'm really excited when Fast Like a Girl comes out. I'm curious. And those of you that use, there's a whole section on a, a protocol for in, specifically for infertility. But I'm really curious to see the kind of responses we get back from the public as they start to fast like a girl on and see what happens to fertility. So it's an amazing tool before conception. Amazing. 
It makes sense. I mean, when you fast, your hormones are going to become more sensitive. You're going to downregulate uh, membrane inflammation. So those hormones could get in and do a better job. So it makes sense to me. Yeah. Okay. So now I got to ask you this question. This is like you and I get very similar questions throughout our week, but this one I think is really good because I'm curious your answer. How often do you check your ketone levels? Me personally, uh, I don't check them at all anymore um, just because I kind of have an intuition uh, just doing this for several years since 2013 keto that I'm in ketosis versus I'm not in ketosis. But for the person who wants to know how often should they check, uh, in the beginning, I do see the value in checking your glucose and ketones. All right, The first 7 to 14 days, are you actually in ketosis? Let's verify that. There's three different ways to test ketones and a lot of people kind of get this mixed up because there's uh, three different types of ketones. So it makes sense. So you have beta hydroxybutyrate, which is in the blood. And then you have acetone, which the breath expels. And then you have acetoacetate, where the urine expels that. Hmm. And a lot of people, Mindy, they go for the urine strips because it's the cheapest option. It's on Amazon, the urine strips. But that's not going to be the best measure to know whether or not you're actually in ketosis. And the reason is this. Uh, when you are actually becoming more efficient and your cells are actually using those ketones, it's not going to spill out in the, ur- in the urine. So it could give you a lot of false negatives and you could beat yourself up and think you're not doing things right and you know drop your carbs some more. But in reality, you could just be using those ketones so efficiently that it's not going to show up in the urine. So I would not recommend urine strips. Now, breath meters over the years have had their problems. They've been hit or miss. Yeah, there is have. a good device that I like um, called Biosense that does a really good job and they give you an ACE score and you could correlate that score to blood measurement. So I do like them and you don't have to prick your fingers, but the gold standard still is to this day, uh, blood ketones. And the cool thing about using a blood ketone device is that they typically give you glucose and ketones and it's good to get both. So beta hydroxybutyrate, if you're hitting 0.5 or higher on that blood ketone reading, you're in ketosis. And yeah. the goal is not more ketones. I know you get this all the time, Mindy. Right, I, don't I get know. More is better. Over That's our culture. More is not better. Just, <laughs> just like um, glucose is another energy source, but more higher glucose is not the goal. It's optimal glucose. Same thing with ketones. So for me, my personal sweet spot and for a lot of my Keto Camp Academy students, for them to feel really good is somewhere around 0.8 to 2.8 uh, beta hydroxybutyrate. That's a finger prick. So how often should you test? Definitely the first two weeks just to verify that. I like testing about an hour after waking up and then also an hour or two hours after eating a meal to see if that meal kicked you out of ketosis or not. You might have a food sensitivity. So those are the times that that I test. Now, you don't have to do this for months and years. You could do this maybe for like a month or two, kind of get a good idea, good gauge on where you are with your routine. Uh, but for me, I've done it so long that I don't, I don't really test anymore. What about you, Mindy? Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's, you, you really described it well because I, all the testing around ketones and the chasing ketones um, has become quite a thing. And if like, if we're not going to count calories, then let me count my blood sugar. Let me count my, my keto or uh, my ketones. If I'm not going to be looking at the scale, then I want to know how deep into ketosis I am because that's a sign of fat burning. And I don't believe that it works. It's not a one-to-one like that. It's not like you can swap out those old behaviors for these new ones. Where I think those meters are really helpful is in the beginning. Uh, when you're trying to understand, can you get into ketosis? What does ketosis feel like? Because to your point, that's exactly me. Like, I, you know, I can feel a click 
And then I get my brain goes, whoop, okay, I'm in ketosis. And usually they're right before the click is a, oh, I'm hungry. Do I want to break my fast? What am I going to do? And sort of thinking about how the day is going to unfold. And in the half hour that I'm thinking about it, my body switches over and now I'm into ketosis and I'm not hungry anymore. So I think that's ultimately where we want to get everybody to. We don't want to get this obsessive rigidity around chasing ketones. Um, the other interesting, and this is brand new, Ben, I haven't even told you this. You're going you're gonna to love this. I've been really watching um, how the menstrual cycle affects blood sugar and ketones. And mm. the two times that women really need to, to change their uh, fasting length and, and sometimes come out of ketosis is at ovulation and the week before a woman's cycle. Well, we know we've been saying this for the last couple years that you're more insulin resistant the week before your cycle. And I will tell you that is a thousand percent true. When I watch a woman with her blood sugar reader, you can see that naturally the same food she ate earlier in the month is causing her blood sugar to spike because her body is wanting her to make more uh, progesterone. So it needs that glucose. So we literally- Isn't that amazing? Isn't that crazy? The innate intelligence. Like we literally see the same meal at different times of the cycle affect a woman differently based off the hormone. Wow. Right? And then, Super cool. And then the second thing I've been really like diving into is ovulation. Because we've been saying, keeping going keto and ovulation, fasting longer in ovulation is not horrible. But I have to say now after watching the, this glucose trend in women, that one of the ways you know that you need to step out of ketosis during ovulation is that if your body is either struggling to get into ketosis um, or you're feeling horrible in ketosis, because that means we've got too much detox reaction happening with, with that uh, time of, of an influx of hormones. So I, I've been thinking about how we can really use glucose and ketones to understand estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, because we don't have a meter for that yet. Yet. Yeah. Yet. Mindy's working on it. <laughs> I'm gonna, I am going to find somebody who can do that for me. I am on that hunt. But isn't that That's interesting? super interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That there's always oh, so many intricacies and uh, the more we learn, it's like the more we could apply this yeah. and um, the innate intelligence, you know, you want to go in the rhythm of the innate intelligence, right. exactly what you're speaking about, yeah. you know, work with your body, not against it. Yeah. So don't, don't fight your innate intelligence. If you're feeling awful during ov ovulation and you're doing ketosis and longer fast, try something else and see if that works for you right. to your point, Mindy. Yeah. So I think that's where we'll start to see after you do it in the beginning, I think we'll start. Um, stay tuned because as I experiment with these theories a little more with women, um, I think we can start to use our ketone reader to tell us what hormone's coming in. And then we can change our lifestyle to to, to suit that hormone. That'll be cool. That's super cool. Yeah, yeah. super cool. Okay. okay. I have another fascinating question okay, for you, Mindy. Yeah, go for it. Uh, skin issues like acne, eczema, and flare-ups. Um, it's happening during fasting, and this person wants to know, why is fasting causing these flare-ups? So one thing to think about when you think of the skin is if I could take your small and large intestine, which has a very saran wrap kind of uh, uh, makeup to it, if I could take it and turn it inside out and show you what it looks like, it would look like what you're looking at in the mirror. 
It's, it looks that there is a very, whatever's going on the, in the skin is going on in the large intestine. They are very analogous. So when we see things, and this is outside of the ketogenic diet, but when we see a lot of acne, when we see a lot of brown spots, when we see um, like the even collagen as menopausal women, you know, that it, we can really learn a lot about our, what's going on with our collagen and estrogen production by looking at our skin. So it, before I answer that, I really want people to know that the skin is diagnostic to what's going on in the gut. So that would be the first thing. Now, when we fast, if all of a sudden we get weird skin stuff, that is a blocked pathway. That is a blocked detox, detox pathway. And the first pathway I would look at would be the gut. And I would ask the person, are you having bowel movements? If you're not having daily bowel movements, that we need to work on that. That needs to be the first thing to do. But then beyond looking at the gut, you got to look at the liver. You got to look at, you know, all the lymph above your collarbone, the lymph under your arm. There's a lot of lymph hacks that are necessary when a person starts to get uh, any kind of skin lesions with keto, because that means the body cannot push this out. So it's pushing it out through the skin, not through the other proper detox pathways. That's good. Exactly my thought when I when I read the question. It's um, a toxicity issue, so you want to make sure, like Mindy said, you want to make sure you're having you're having your bowel movements. Something that's very simple to do with in regards to bowel movements is a squatty potty. Do you use one of those? Oh ones? my gosh! Okay, you want to hear a funny thing about a squatty potty? Um, yes. My, yo my <laughs> yoga instructor told me about it a couple of years ago. And, um, and I was like, okay, that's a little weird, but okay. So I bought it as a white elephant gift, but you know what those are like the gift <laughs> yes, do, yeah. at Christmas. Yeah. And then whoever bought it was like, oh my God, they, everybody laughed and they're like, this is amazing. So then I got one for our house and my daughter was over the other day. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And she's like, well, no, none of my roommates want to use the squatty potty. So I like to come in over here and I'm like, isn't it amazing? So we like had this like geek out moment on the squatty potty. It, and it, it is so cool. So tell everybody what it is, but it is a great, great, great tool. It, it sure is. I love that geek out moment on the squatty potty. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, uh, it's, it's really cheap. It's 20, 30 bucks on yeah. Amazon and you put it right by your toilet. Your feet go on top of it as you're sitting on the toilet, elevates your knees into more of a, elevates your body into more of a squatting position, which is more of a natural elimination position that we've done for our ancestors have done for so many years. So it elevates your knees, puts you in that natural elimination position, and it really allows people to have a, a healthy bowel movement. Yeah. So I have one here. I have two bathrooms in my uh, apartment, and both of them have a squatty potty. So that's a simple little thing you can do. So simple. Add that into the mix. And, um, you know, increase magnesium, potassium, but work on getting that bowel movement. And to Mindy's point, what about your other detox pathways? Are they open? Are they clogged? Dry brushing. So working on the lymphatic system, moving your body, trampoline jumping, um, you know, doing some calf raises, doing some things to kind of prime your lymphatic system. Uh, the liver, like you mentioned, so wearing a castor oil pack could yeah. be tremendous. And maybe you're doing a lot of that and you're still having those issues, then then it's probably time to really explore like real detox or um, use some binders, experiment with that. But my thought was the same thing that you thought, Mindy, toxicity issues happening. Yeah. yeah. And I just did a video on it on YouTube because it's so common for people to have stuck lymph 
when they're, um, and when they start to fast or do keto, they just start to detox. And so, you know, again, I want to go back to how we started the conversation, which is remember that when symptoms show up, when you're doing either the ketogenic diet or fasting, it's a mirror. It's telling you what you need to work on, not what you need to run from. And mm. I feel like we run from symptoms all the time. And this is like the most beautiful gift. The body just told you, hey, pathways are closed. You might want to work on opening those up. Well, if you hadn't gone into that fast, if you hadn't had that symptom and those pathways stayed closed, that's a, that's a precursor to leading you down the path of cancer or leading you down the path of other chronic diseases. So again, another amazing reason I love fasting is because it tells you what you need. And so as long good. as you're listening and you're not pushing those, those symptoms away. Oh, so good. We both believe that symptoms are a gift from yes. the innate intelligence. It's like yeah. the check engine light. Thank God there's a check engine light. I pull the car over, open up the hood. Let's see what's going right? on. It's, the fasting allows you to see that check engine light and ketosis and detox, et cetera. So yes. it's a blessing. And, and I just want to um, say the reason why that happens, if you have a lot of toxins in your body, toxins are stored in fat cells. As you know, Mindy, the no. toxins love fat. It's actually a survival mechanism from your innate intelligence to put those toxins in your fat cells so they don't kill you right away. And when you start to burn fat cells and use fat cells for energy, like is what you do when you do keto and intermittent fasting, now you're burning fat cells, but you're not, these toxins are released and you can't really burn these toxins off. And those, right. if those detox pathways are closed off, symptom occurs. And then it's telling you something that's really amazing. Okay, let's work on what's causing the symptoms. And for the most of the time is what Minnie just said, open up those detox pathways and you should see a uh, better response from those symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand percent. I had somebody uh, I was interviewing on my podcast the other day and she said, um, she, she's like, I, I speak many languages and it was something like I speak English and I speak body. And I was like, oh, I'm fluent in body too. I didn't even ever think about that. I'm multilingual. I'm, I've, I've always felt bad I didn't know another language, which sh I should know. I know how bad that is. But I do know the language of the body extremely well. I am fluent in that. Don't, aren't you? That's, I love. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever thought about learning another language to get your message out there to a different audience? Uh, I have, I would definitely go to Spanish first. Um, yeah, me too. That was I'm, my thought I'm too. in California. Um, I'd like to learn another language for more than just getting it out to the world. Um, I think it would be so good for the brain. Um, and yeah. so convenient for so many reasons. So it's like on that bucket list that I, I'm going to have to pull the, pull the plug on doing it one day. I really, my sister teaches Spanish at Boston university. So, oh, wow. Yeah. My, my niece and nephew are fluent. So I got plenty of people to speak. I live in California. Yeah. Maybe a, Mindy and I will take a, a Spanish ah, class together and learn it together. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that idea. We could, we could hold each other accountable and then we could do an episode. Like we would, could maybe do it in very, very basic Spanish. Espanol. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Ben, let's totally do that. I love it. We can totally hold each other accountable. I love that. If you're watching on YouTube and you want Mindy and I to learn Spanish together, let us know in the comments yeah, section. Put it in the comments. You, you will, you'll push us for sure. <laughs> okay, here's my question to you. And I actually am curious what you're going to say again on this. If you had to choose between keto or carnivore, which one would you do? Both. Um, well, carnivore technically is keto. A lot of people right. don't get that. Like when you're doing carnivore, you're in ketosis. Now, which one would I choose first? Um, I think would be a better a better question than there which one go. would I choose? Both is, is a good option, but 
Um, I would do keto first because the reason I say that is because keto is low, low carb, very low carb, but it's not zero carb like carnivore. And if you go from whatever carb intake you're doing now, the average American is 300 grams, maybe you're at 150. But if you go to 150 to zero, that's going to feel pretty, pretty challenging for a, maybe a couple of weeks, that transition. But if you go from keto to carnivore, much easier transition. And, and that's kind of how I thought about mm-hmm. it when I put together my, my four pillars in keto flex. So number one is adapt, getting fat adapted to intermittent fasting. And then three phase, phasing out anti-nutrients and doing carnivore. So I think doing keto first for a period of time, maybe it's a month and then transitioning to carnivore would be the better approach. And it's interesting. I don't know if you've seen this too, but a lot of people have naturally done that. Like they yes. stop getting results with keto and they're like, how can I take it to another level? And then they transition to carnivore and then they continue to get more results. So that would be my recommendation, carnivore than keto. And I'm guessing by, you know, your movements, your facial yeah, movements. Yeah. Well, I, I just, so I recently thought about this because I had, um, I was at a seminar and a man came up to me and asked me some fasting advice and he was significantly overweight and he knew it. And I said, well, before I give you fasting advice, um, tell me why you want to get healthy. And he said, I, I need to get healthy to save my life. And I know you, you, you were in those shoes as well. And so yeah. then when we started to break down all the things that he was doing, um, it was the typical Western diet with processed foods, lots of fast food restaurants, lots of soda, So the first thing I did with him is I said, let's just take all this food you're eating and let's just compress it into an eating window. And he's like, you don't want me to change any food. I said, no, I don't want you to fail at another diet. I want you Mm. just to compress and learn how to become, uh, uh, use time-restricted eating. So I, I pushed back his breakfast two hours. We gave, we put some boundaries around, um, soda, I just spoke with him yesterday and he's lost 13 pounds just doing that. Wow. He didn't change his wow. food at all. So then the second thing I did, instead of going, okay, now we got to count macros and get you into ketosis, is I'm having him count protein and I'm having mm. him add in protein and looking at hitting that 30, 30 um, gram amino acid sensor spot, having him, I asked him what his ideal body weight was and could we eat one gram of protein per ideal body weight. So now we're adding something in. So we've Mm. totally mixed up that part of his brain that has said, I fail at every diet. And Mm. we've totally like sideswiped that part of the brain that wants to eat all the wrong foods. So I have him focusing on something else. And I would say, and then I, once a month I'm meeting with him and I'll do the same thing again, is just keep tweaking it until his body craves being in a state of ketosis. And what I'm thinking about what you were saying is it's the same thing. We have to, we don't need motivation. We need mo- momentum. So mm-hmm. you've got to do what gives you momentum. So if going from your example of the Western diet to carnivore, feels like you're not in total deprivation, then do that and then go into more restricted eating and more ketosis. But we will always bite off more than we can chew when it comes to our health uh, goals. And carnivore is to me the easiest version of keto. Yeah, it's it's very straightforward. You're eating meat and that's it. I think that's brilliant, Mindy, what you just, the example you gave with this gentleman, because 
keeps things so simple for, so for this simple. gentleman. He, he yeah. didn't even change what he was eating. He just changed the time that he had those meals. So that was an right. easy little thing to do. Yeah. And then by focusing on the protein, naturally, when you increase your dietary protein, you're going to feel full and satiated. So naturally, you're going to drop your carbs and eventually yep. you'll just naturally get into ketosis. And then, yep. So I think that's brilliant. And I just love what you just said. I haven't heard it before. We don't need to seek motivation. We need to seek momentum. That is so true. Motivation is short-lived. Momentum builds tremendously into incredible results. So many, that is brilliant. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I, I really feel like each step of momentum gives us more motivation. So, but yeah. motivation without momentum, you just get frustration. So, you know, you're motivated one day and then three weeks later, nothing's changed and now you're frustrated. So whenever I'm coaching somebody or looking at our group in general or educating on, on um, YouTube is like, okay, what is going to be the most concise information that I can give somebody right now that's going to get them a result? Because once they get that result, now they want to know more. But if we failed so many times at our diets... Um, our brain is looking for that failure again. It's, it's trying to prove you right. So if you come into keto and fasting and you're like, okay, well, everybody says this is the thing I can do that no diet's ever done for them before. You're coming in already set up, setting yourself up for failure if you're not looking for the little wins. Because each one of those little wins starts to change the experience uh, that you're having with your diet. And, you know, Dr. Pompa said this a couple of weeks ago, and I loved it, which was in order to change a belief, you have to change in, you, the experience with that person or that, that belief that is surrounding you. Well, gosh, we have so many weird beliefs around food and dieting and weight loss. So we need a totally different experience. And and this is and because your body wants to fast, it wants this lower carb. Once you give it that, it will slowly crave it. And then there's nothing you and I can say that they're off and running. Absolutely. Yeah. Small tweaks lead to giant peaks, right? Small little changes, habit stacking. I love that, Mindy. Yeah. I uh, I have a question for you. And it's, we're going to get to the next fasting question, and it's about children. Do children naturally fast? And then I'll add something to that. Should children fast? Right. All right. This is also a good one. Um, you know what? Here's what I would say. We need to start looking at fasting not as a fad, but as a primal way our body approached food um, that we fell asleep to. So mm. what that means is that for children – they're living in the same human body. So they have the same primal need to go periods of time without food. But what we do is we beat that out of them and we beat out of them an intuitive sense of what they need to do to be able or when they should eat. We say breakfast, lunch, dinner, kitchen's closed. If you don't, if you don't eat dinner, we're closing the kitchen. So if I was doing it all over again and starting um, parenting all over again, I would watch really closely what the natural rhythms of my child's eat, uh, hunger levels are. They may not be hungry in the morning. So if they're wake up happy, they're not crazy hungry, um, where is that point at which maybe you could go an hour or two hours before you feed them? Now, some some parents might say, well, no, 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 that's not going to happen for my child. Okay, fine. So just make sure you are learning their natural rhythms. I can tell you for me, my son, when he was in high school, and this, I know we're talking about little kids, but 
I got so exhausted trying to throw breakfast at him. This is before I knew all the fasting. And finally, <laughs> one day I sat down and I'm like, this is not working. Can you tell me when you're hungry? And he said, at, at nutrition, you know, a couple hours in. And I was like, great. Okay, that's when you need to eat. Let's make sure you've got healthy food. When my kids were in preschool and I would pick them up at noon, I was, I would, I was asking for serious trouble if I didn't have food in the car when I picked them up at school because I knew they needed to eat. We couldn't make the 20-minute drive home. So that's what we need to to look at is that kids naturally time restrict eating. They do time restricted eating, but each kid is different. So let's stop pushing food on them at times they may not be hungry. Yeah, well said. I, I remember when I was a kid, I snacked a lot uh, out of boredom, right? So I think a, a child that naturally has activities and things to do and they have a, an amazing life, they're going to naturally probably not snack and, and practice some sort of fasting, right? I mean, they can right. still do their lunch and dinner, but uh, time-restricted feeding. I think where we get into trouble with all of these um, childhood issues that we're seeing these days, I mean, type 2 diabetes, we used to be, it used to be called adult-onset diabetes until all these children started getting it and now they renamed it to type 2 diabetes and children are getting insulin resistance. So what the, the problem with that is the snacking, the Gatorade, the high processed foods that are in between meals with meals. So if you're naturally going to do three meals a day and focus on whole foods for that child, um, it's going to they're naturally going to have their feeding window and their fasting window like to your point. So for me, boredom was a thing that really clicked on hunger or clicked on just eating something to deal yeah. with the boredom. Yeah. Well, I, and and it's a it's a tricky wicket to to really navigate because you've got to get to know your child. And um, as a parent, I can tell you there's nothing worse than your child going to the other side where they're hungry and now they're having a tantrum. So um, making sure they're getting good quality meals and that you're looking at where their activity is. So if they're at, if this is why having food in the car when I picked them up from uh, kindergarten worked so well is because I knew mentally they had, and physically they had been doing a lot and they needed refueling. Uh, the night before, if they had a big day, they're going on a field trip or, or something like that, I made sure they had a protein and fat rich meal so that we would stabilize their blood sugar. So to me, this is the nuance we need to get with kids is really looking at the timing of meals, the quality of meals, and how they tie in to what the natural rhythm of that child is. We're just well we're, pretty, we're pretty far off from that so far. <laughs> so well, hopefully this your answer will uh, make a difference with that. I think it's a great answer. Yeah, thank you. Um, okay. Ooh, this is a good one too. Um, should I do keto if I don't have a gallbladder? Yeah, this is a very, I'm sure you get it all the time. Oh, like, yeah, this is all a the time. Very common question. Well, first of all, this episode is not medical advice, and none of this is medical advice, but I can share with you th this. The gallbladder re removal surgery is one of the top performed surgeries in the United States. And fortunately, it's like gallbladder, gallstones, gall gallbladder issues. Let's remove it in order to you know deal with that symptom. But that's not the right approach. But hey, it was done. What's done, it's done. What can you do? A lot of people think that the gallbladder is what produces bile to break down fat and detoxify. But in reality, it's more of like a storage house for the bile. Mm -hmm. It's the liver, as you know, Mindy, yeah. that actually produces that bile, which is this uh, beautiful green substance. I call it liquid gold that helps you break down fat, helps you detoxify. It's, it's really important, especially on keto as you increase your fat. So here's what happens. If you don't have a gallbladder, 
and you start to do keto and you start to increase your dietary fat, the liver needs to make up for the absence of the gallbladder. So it's going to be like a little drip, but there's not a storage house to kind of drip that out continuously to break down the fat. So if your liver can't keep up with the fat, that's where issues start to occur. And those issues are going to be commonly diarrhea, some stomach issues, stomach pain. So what can you do? Uh, the main thing is to go low and slow and support the mm -hmm. liver. So here's what I've done with my students, and it might work for you. I um, have them actually don't, I tell them not to practice intermittent fasting yet. I tell them to actually have smaller um, meals with fat and spread mm -hmm. them out throughout the day for about 14 days. So more frequent meals that are smaller. So the liver could adjust to dripping out mm -hmm. the bile. On the this, fat. Would be if, this would be if you don't have a gallbladder. Yeah, this is if you don't have a gallbladder, right, correct, right. in the beginning. And right. eventually the liver adapts and you could do you know, regular right. keto, intermittent fasting, all that. But in the beginning, we want to let that liver adapt. So smaller meals, instead of yeah. a big meal with all this fat, spread it out throughout the day, maybe four or five meals for the first two weeks. Yeah. At the same time, uh, sorry, you're going to say something? No, 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 no. I, oh. I, I just want to make sure people are clear. I mean, it sounds like a good thing to do on a beginner for a beginner plan as well. But I, I love what yeah. you're saying. Keep, keep going. Yeah. And at the same time, the name of the game is just what else can you do to support the liver, right? right. So we love bitters, um, incorporate more bitters with those meals, arugula, dandelion greens, uh, ginger, ginger tea, artichokes, apple cider vinegar. Terrific. Radicchio. My Radicchio. favorite is Radicchio. It makes a good little lettuce wrap. You shared that last time. Yeah. Um, it's a great biohack for keto. It is. So yeah, radicchio. And then add seasonings to your food like uh, rosemary, thyme, uh, rosemary, thyme, and basil. Those are great bitters for the liver as well to stimulate bile production. Uh, a lot of people who don't have a gallbladder probably need bile salts or ox bile, so some sort of supplementation mm -hmm. with bile. Um, and then eventually your liver starts to adapt, and then you could take the five to six meals that you're spreading out to three meals and so increase the fats a little bit. And as the liver, the liver adapts to that, you should be able to continuously do keto and fasting without any um, diarrhea or any dietary issues, right? uh, stomach issues that are going on. What do you think about um, things like castor oil packs and coffee enemas for some went for somebody who doesn't have a gallbladder and is really wanting to take on the ketogenic diet in a big way? I think those are two amazing, amazing tools. So explain what they are and how you do that. Yeah, um, a castor oil pack. Castor oil just dilates everything. And and here's my th my thought process on the gallbladder removal. There are three, well, four organs that really work together, the liver, the gallbladder, the common bile duct, and your small intestine. So when you have a gallbladder removed, it meant that something in that team of, of body parts wasn't working so well. So we need to still address why the gallbladder was removed in the first place. Yeah. And that's where a castor oil to me is very, very simple. Um, when you rub castor oil on your skin, it dilates everything. So a lot of times the reason the gallbladder didn't function well in the first place was because this common bile duct that's like a thin straw has, was so congested. So it didn't allow the gallbladder to be able to release the toxins. Most people don't realize that the gallbladder is storage for toxins. So you weren't able to get that into the common bile duct and out through your gut. So it eventually malfunctions, but that common bile duct is still traffic jammed. So putting castor oil on it opens that up and gets it to drain into the small intestine. When you put a pack over it, now you're putting some heat and you're letting it should sit there for about two hours so that you open all of that up. 
But then we can go over and look at, okay, well, coffee enema, the coffee is a dilator and it's one of the best ways to get to that liver and the common bile duct to open it up. I even, have we been using Xenoplex a lot? The, from I Remedy. use that today, actually. Yeah. What do you think? I, I feel great with it. Yeah. I love it. I love uh, many. We're experimenting in our group with a bunch of their stuff. But oh, cool. but my point is, is that we have to remember that just because we removed an organ didn't mean we solved the problem. Mm. So we come back to these principles. Fasting and keto are a mirror. So if you start fasting and doing keto and more fat isn't included in your diet, higher protein, and you're getting diarrhea, the mirror says common bile duct open that up. And that's where these packs and enemas and Xenoplex can come in. So good. I, I love the castor oil pack. I have a question for you because I wear mine at night and um, my fiance Natasia gets mad at me because it spills over into my bed sheet and then we have to watch the wash the bed sheet. How do I, how do I wear the pack without staining okay. my bed sheet? I thought you were going to say, and, and my uh, fiance doesn't want anything to do with me, which would be the pro- part of the process. Too. I, I think that's part of it too. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I'm experimenting with this because I lost my favorite pair of P- PJs to castor oil. Um, so oh, I no. understand that. So these you can get on Remedy Link's site. And for those of you that can't see it, it's just a plastic um, like um, sticker and they're clear. And what they've created is a, a castor oil that you can just kind of rub. Let's say I wanted it on a lymph node in my neck. I would just rub oh. it there and then I cut the specific size of this clear waterproof sticker or Band-Aid and I'd put it right over the area. So, so you put the castor oil on there, on, yeah. on the area, and then put that on top. Yes. Yes. Ah. So let's see if I can peel it off for you. So that, yeah, see, it just peels off like right like this. Cool. That's awesome. I didn't know they had that. So we can just take this one and this is, um, this part can stick right to the area. Mm, so brilliant. So it's really, it's, and so it's like a buffer, like it'll just stick right there. And it's like a buffer that I would, you could use underneath the pack. And That's then brilliant. The, yeah. Isn't that cool? Do you recommend um, putting castor oil on your lymph there? That helps. Oh, we well? put it everywhere. So oh. if, you, if you go back to, the, to the, the ideas of castor oil, it's a dilator. So if I have yeah. a lymph node that's, that's swollen, what if I've got like a, above my clavicle, I'm detoxing and that's swollen or under my armpit is swollen. You know, there, those are areas that rubbing castor oil is going to open it up. We've put it over the ovaries um, when mm. a woman's ovulating. So I've done the castor oil pack over my gut and over um, some of our community members when, they, when they're not having bowel movements. So it do, it's not just for the common bile duct. You can really put it on these other areas and benefit from them. Fascinating. You just open up a whole new castor oil. Oh, yeah. Doing yeah. That. <laughs> like a castor oil movement, right? <laughs> Seriously. I love it. Yeah. And it's easy. Like leave it there for a couple hours or go to bed with it. And uh, it's, it's, it's going to do its job. You don't have to think about it. And on the easy part, this is one thing that I've been really deeply thinking about is um, there are so many free resources to get get healthy. And I feel like if we're going to change the health of the world, health can't be expensive. Now, I will tell you, the sicker you are, the more resources you're going to need, the more coaching you're going to need. And that's just sort of part of the, of the deal. 
But in order to stay healthy, once we speak the language of our body, once we learn keto and fasting, when we see a swollen lymph node, instead of ignoring it, rubbing some castor oil on it, or we get a rash, instead of ignoring it, putting some castor oil over our liver, I feel like everybody can do that. Castor oil is not that expensive. Yeah. So yeah. I love these hacks that everybody can do. You don't need money to be able to do them. I love it. So true. That's so true. Um, there you go. Biohack for, for Bi free. Bio oil. Yeah. Bio yeah. Fr frugal biohacking 101. <laughs> <laughs> do I, is that like a free guide you could give to people? <laughs> Seven yeah. frugal biohacks to improve your health in the next 30 days. <laughs> oh my God, we're doing it, Ben. That's a great <laughs> idea. That's we're, a great idea. Vitamin G's and their gratitude. Yes. Uh, grounding, yes. Uh, fasting, uh, yes. sleep, yes. castor oil pack. What are other two we could add in there? Um, well, eating fat the night before uh, the fat, like you're going to go into a longer fast. So upping your good fat would be Easy. amazing. Um, the uh, knowing when to fast at what part of your cycle um, would be really good. So it's there's a lot of little different. Oh, you know what? One of my favorite hacks, this is a weird hack that works really well for me in a fasting window is uh, yerba mata tea. Huh. I love it kills hunger. And there's research that it stimulates autophagy and kills hunger. So win, I've been doing win. Yeah. Uh, unsweetened yerba mate tea in my fasting window is my new go-to. Interesting. That's a good yeah. tip for those yeah. who struggle with hunger during a fast. And hey, you want to increase your autophagy, unsweetened yerba mate tea. Do you get yeah. it from Whole Foods or is there a specific yeah, brand? Yeah, I do the uh, white brand. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I do it unsweetened. My kids love the other ones that are sweetened, but I do the unsweetened one. It comes in a jar, which is really, really nice. That's a good tip. I yeah. like that. I'm adding, I'm adding that to my arsenal. Thank you, Mindy. Uh -huh, of course. It's, a, it's really, really a good thing. I'll send you the research on it. So I've teamed up with Tony Horton. Do you know Tony Horton? He was the creator of P90X, one of the most revolutionary at-home fitness programs. And we created together a new fitness program called Power Sync 60. And it is literally, this program's never been done. It is a revolutionary 60-day program for both men and women. So here's why I want you to join us, is that we literally created PowerSync 60 with you in mind. So it doesn't matter if you're a cycling woman, a postmenopausal woman, or a man, one of the things I brought to Tony was that when we work out, we have to think about our hormones. And he had never done that in the millions of workouts that he's created in his lifetime. We also included a free bonus meal plan and a customized tailor way you can eat right for yourself. Also, of course, we put some fasting in there and it was a beautiful meeting of the minds. So I, it, this is like a passion project that I'm so excited to share with you. And in order to get it, all you got to do is visit drmindy.org and use the code PS60PELS. So PS60 and then my last name, PELS, P-E-L-Z, to get 20% off. And you get lifetime access to the program. So that's drmindy.org and you use the code PS60PELS to join all of us. I'm actually doing this myself right now. So come join me, my community on this incredible journey. I am so proud to bring this to you.
Okay. I think that, oh, okay. This is a really good one. And actually, I really want to talk about this. Can you see ketones go up and blood sugar go up at the same time? And if you do, um, what what is that a sign of? That's a good question. Um, yes, it can happen. <clears throat> so when will that happen typically? Sometimes during exercise, yep. uh, that could happen. And the reason is because when you exercise, a couple of reasons. Number one, when you exercise, you're activating your sympathetic nervous system. So there's an increase in cortisol to give you energy for the workout. Glucose follows cortisol. And at that time, ketones could still be, uh, you could still be burning body fat and producing ketones. So there could be, they could both go up at the same time. And at the same time of exercise, you are releasing these stored sugars in your liver and uh, muscle cells. So there's this release to be burned for energy. So you could see an increase in both. Um, that after an hour after a workout, two hours, you should see glucose drop and ketones should be up. That's totally fine. A lot of people freak out. Why is my exercise raising my glucose? Right. That is absolutely normal. Nothing to worry about. Test an hour or two later and you should see some balanced numbers. Um, somebody who's under a lot of stress might see both of them rise at the same time because again, stress raises cortisol, glucose falls cortisol. So even though you're burning fat and producing ketones, which are going up, your stress could be raising your glucose. So that could be another scenario. Um, another scenario could be somebody who has um, insulin resistance and they're type 2 diabetic. Uh, mm-hmm. They have high glucose and high ketones at the same time as well. So the, the goal is, in general, when you're in a fasted state, to see your glucose between 70 and 90, uh, which is uh, you know 80 milligrams per deciliter is about one teaspoon of sugar in your bloodstream, which is considered optimal. So that's like mm-hmm. 80, but 80 to 90. So those are the scenarios that came to mind, but I'm sure, Mindy, you could add to the conversation uh, yeah. why you might do that. Well, I'm seeing it more often lately, and, I, and I'm curious. So the first thing I would say is that I think for sure exercise, that is a no-brainer. You're going to see blood sugar go up and ketones go up at the same time. I also think when you go into ketosis, if if you're new to ketosis, that there's going to be a natural dumping of the sugar. It's just going to naturally, because the body's cleaning itself up. So when those ketones are in, remember, we still need 50% glucose, 50% ketones. So I think what happens is your body goes, okay, Hmm, the blood sugar's down. I'm going to make some ketones, but I remember storing some sugar somewhere else. So I'm going to go grab that other sugar. Okay, that works for the beginner person or the person who might be overweight. But what about a smaller person who's been doing this for a while and we're seeing glucose go up and ketones go up? And this is where I think stress comes in. That it's and and I I wonder like I of course timing it to women's cycles but I feel like when stress goes up, you can still stay in ketosis and you can also have your blood sugar rise. And is that the next question is, is that a bad thing? Right. Yeah. Well, Do I mean, think it's a bad thing. Hormesis, right? Maybe, maybe it is, maybe it's not. It could be a positive, a beneficial thing. Um, the person feels really great and it's more of like a cyclical thing that's happening versus a chronic thing. I think it's not a bad thing. Potentially, it could be a hormetic benefit. But what are your yeah. thoughts? What, do you think it's bad? Or, or good? I don't know. I mean, it's a new thing I'm seeing. So I'm also, this leads to another question that I'd be curious your opinion on is when we get ketones, 
we there there's repair that happens neurons get repaired in the brain which can spit out some heavy metals so maybe as this as people are going into ketosis there's a detox reaction and that detox mm-hmm. reaction is spiking cortisol and then causing the blood sugar to come up now in that scenario that's not a bad thing that's your body doing what it needs to do so i think it's probably overall just fine that's an interesting thought process. And I, I agree. I didn't even think about that. Something else that came to mind as we were having this conversation about the high glucose or glucose rising in ketones at the same time would be, I would ask the person, how long have you been doing keto, right? We know that with long-term ketosis, somebody categorized long-term ketosis as four months or longer. Um, and I, I'm looking at my notes here because this is from Dr. Gundry when I interviewed him. He said, mm-hmm. long-term ketosis and insulin resistance. So continuous ketosis tells the mitochondria to protect themselves at all costs and to stop making muscle protein. And number two, to produce insulin resistance so the muscle doesn't steal any glucose that the brain needs. That's why hardcore keto dieters have higher glucose. So in this scenario, not mm-hmm. a good thing. You need to flex out. So it depends also on how long you've been doing ketosis. So that could be a thing that's going on if you've been doing long-term keto. Interesting. Yeah, which is we're back at variation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why we do an episode like this because there's so much nuance. But what you know, I always come back to the principle of what's the body doing? Why is it doing that? And if you can crawl inside your body and ask that question, I feel like this is how we learn more and more because the body's always doing the right thing at the right time, whether we acknowledge it or not. Have you, have you ever, this leads me to another question I have, I've wondered, which is, have you ever, do you think ketosis is dangerous for people? I mean, we talk about the danger to a diabetic, but I'm talking like 1.5, 2.0 ketosis, nutritional ketosis. We're getting ketones, but the person is not feeling amazing like they want to feel in ketosis. Is that a, do you feel like that's a bad thing? Have you ever seen that happen? I have. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's all part of um, the changes that are happening, right? The fact that you're hitting 2.5, 3.0, uh, ketones is, is a great thing. You know, yeah. you're, you're, because we know ketones are communicating with your mitochondria to make more mitochondria and more energy, uh, and lower free radicals. So it's a win-win. Yeah. So that's great. Now, the reason you might not be feeling well, goes back to this conversation that we're having throughout the podcast, a toxicity issue. It, your body's yeah. dumping a lot of toxins probably. So feedback mechanism it's an amazing gift. If you don't feel great, even though you're in ketosis, you could be dumping a lot of toxins. So it goes back to what Mindy said. All right, let's look at the downstream organ, down, downstream detox organs that we could support. Castor yeah. oil pack, coffee enemas, lymphatic system. So you do those things and then eventually maybe go upstream. So um, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's feedback to your point. And it's probably a toxicity issue. You're just burning so many to- fat, so much fat, you're releasing all these toxins. And that's probably why you don't feel good. Right. But it's feedback to make some changes with the detox. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can use it like a hormetic stress. You know, you go into ketosis, you're uncomfortable. How long do you want to stay there? If, you, if it gets too uncomfortable, eat. Now you're out of ketosis. Okay, yeah. two days later, well, now you know you need to detox more. Well, try going back into ketosis again and let's see each time you go in and out of that and use it like a detox tool, then you're going to notice that that slowly slips away along with like using binders and things like that. 
um, which is a way more complicated topic. But for the person just using ketosis and not feeling good in ketosis, I think it's important to realize that that's not a bad thing. It's yeah. just a, a detox thing. Absolutely. Yeah. This is, so. this is a great conversation. Right. Isn't um, it? This is like what you yeah. and I would talk about at a bar. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And our dinner, right? When we at have dinner, dinner over dinner, I feel like we've had this conversation. Okay. Before I get to the next question, I think, I think, um, we would be remiss if we didn't give a shout out. Cause I know he's going to be listening to Doug fierce and, um, mm. this gentleman, Doug, who Admiral for the United States, uh, coast guard 40 plus years, he served our country. Uh, worked with many presidents, Air Force One, just an amazing guy. And he discovered, so let me rewind for a second. About three or four years ago, he was very unhealthy. Inflammation, insomnia, body was aching. He was overweight and he knew he had to make a change. And he discovered that actually most Americans are very unhealthy. He actually referenced um, that University of North Carolina Chapel Hill study. And he came, he, he was desperately searching for help went on YouTube University and who does he discover? Dr. Mindy Peltz, right? <laughs> and he started watching Mindy's videos, learning about fasting and detoxification and ancient healing strategies. And he started to apply it and it started to work. And through Mindy, he discovered me and my podcast. And he started listening to my podcast, doing keto now, learning about keto and losing weight, lowering inflammation. And through me, he discovers Dr. John Lawrence, who's our mutual friend, and he started going to Dr. John Lawrence's clinic in Sarasota, Florida. And then he discovered Dr. Pampa. And um, the reason we bring this up is because D Doug Fears, he retired two days ago from this recording. He had a ceremony in Washington, D.C., beautiful ceremony. He was acknowledged by the president of the United States, and he gave a nice speech. And he, in that speech, he acknowledged Dr. Mindy Pels. He acknowledged me, Dr. John Lawrence, and Dr. Pampa. So we want to say, Doug... We love and appreciate you. Thank you so much yeah. for the kind words and thank you for serving our country. I know Mindy wants to say something as well. Oh, yeah. In fact, I've it's been so busy since I saw uh, the clip and the video. And so I'm actually going to go do an Instagram today to talk about it. Um, so and, and here's what I would say. And Doug, I don't even know if you realize what you did is, he, oh, and I got chills thinking about it. Um, he looked at the patterns of his family and he decided he didn't want to repeat that pattern. He took a hard look at himself and said, I'm about to retire soon. So I need to make sure that I'm in the best health that I possibly can. And I've seen a lot of people do this when they approach retirement. And then he went and solved his own health problem. And what I think is so interesting, there's a great book out by William Davis called Undoctored. And this was the first time I realized the power of the internet in the healing process. And in Undoctored, William Davis says that we have now hit a point in time that when a patient walks into their doctor's office, they actually may be more educated than that doctor on mm. their topic. Dr. William Davis, cardiologist, I know he's been on your podcast. We He was on our, our call this week for our group of docs, but let's just stop and Talk about the power of that. Mm -hmm. When doctors are are, are in, rising above this really dysfunctional healthcare system and saying, hey, you've got the power to heal yourself. You just have to find your own custom path. That's to me what Doug did. Yeah. Doug, Doug healed himself. And that, you know, thank you, Doug, for the shout out to us. That was so sweet. And I never want you to lose sight that you did the healing. We just were your cheerleaders and, and assisting you on that process. But 
that was that was like you i was in tears i that yeah. was so cool so special doug uh yeah doug you're the hero honestly and he i don't know if you um saw but he also referenced that university of north carolina study in front of all those people like that's so important to understand that most americans are very unhealthy so and he said uh, and he said i was going to be one of those people yeah, and i think doug i'd also want to say to you like that takes that takes courage to stand up and realize just like this man that said he to me he needed to lose weight otherwise he was going to die like I th that takes courage. And in a time when we're trying to use fasting and keto to look better, but when you actually look yourself in the mirror and you say, I'm, I, I'm not my best version. I may be on the path to, to death quicker than I realize. I better do something. And then you do something and you get a result like Doug got. Uh, that's my dream for every American. And, um, and, and agree with you, Ben. Thank you for your service, Doug. I think he's actually a rear admiral. Which is even higher than an admiral, from what I understand. But he's an overall badass, is the way I look at it. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so honored to be a part of that healing journey. Yeah, me too. So, Doug, thank you, and I can't wait to have dinner with you and your wife, Kate, sometime soon. So, oh, amazing. Let's continue the conversation. Um, another fasting question. Uh, this is kind of relevant to the cortisol and stress issue, but can fasting spike your cortisol levels? Yeah, it definitely can such a same as exercise can spike your cortisol levels. So we have to know when to fast and when not to fast when it comes to cortisol. It, um, and there's two things to think about. Um, knowing that it spikes your cortisol, we can use that as a hormetic stress. So we use it as a little bit of cortisol can actually help the body adapt. Where we don't want to use it is if we're already so stressed out. Like we have already got so much on our plate that we are barely hanging on. We don't really want to go into super long fasts because you're going to stay with your stress levels making cortisol and your fast making cortisol. And I would say the same thing to the person who's so stressed and they want to run a marathon. I just don't think that's the right time to be training for a marathon, maybe a 10K. And I would say the same thing with fasting. If you're so stressed, try the lower level fast, 13 hours, 15, 17, but not a three day, not even a two day. And then the other place that we really don't like to see cortisol spike too much is the week before a woman's cycle. My new phrase that I say is, um, you know, progesterone is very uh, bashful in the presence of cortisol. She does not reveal herself. She doesn't come out. She's not there to support you if cortisol's around. It's almost like cortisol's the bully to progesterone. Mm. So. That's good. That's in, that's makes total sense to me. I love that. Yeah, I know I mean, you like the one-liners. So <laughs> I do. I do. You're right. I mean, fasting is a stress to the body, and it could be a great, amazing stress to help your body adapt to that stress and get stronger, like exercise. But to Mindy's right. point. If your sleep is crap and you've got a lot of work stress, relationship stress, toxicity stress, man, that could be too much for your body to adapt to and you're not going to get all the amazing benefits we want you to get from fasting. So, you know, cut your fasting window, work on the fundamentals, work on gratitude, work on journaling, move your body, get quality sleep, and mm -hmm. then get your body to a point where it's ready to adapt to that additional stress of fasting. And that's where you maximize those incredible benefits. You know, like Dr. Pompa says, good cells get stronger, bad cells don't adapt. But that only that's only going to happen when you could actually get into that hermetic zone that we want to get you into. So yep. fundamentals come into play here as usual. 
get yep. those fundamentals built, get that foundation built strong. And then you could add things like fasting, ketosis, biohacks, and all the other cool things that we could do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny how we want to trick everything out first, right? Yeah. yeah. We're like, I want to go to the fancy and like the fat, like, how can I do this the fastest? And really it's coming back to the principles that give you the best, the best result. Always. So, yeah. Fundamentals okay, are the fundamentals, right? <laughs> right. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. I want to see, cause there were some good ones. Um, oh, okay. This is good. Well, I, I have two questions. So one is how do you know when you should change from ketosis? Like if, is the goal to stay in ketosis all the time? And if the answer is no, then how do you know when to switch out of it? The goal is not to be in ketosis forever. Um, the goal is health, not dogma. The goal is mm. metabolic flexibility, not long-term rigidity. Um, just like our ancestors all practice ketosis because they practice intermittent fasting and by default, they needed those ketones to survive. They also, anytime they had the opportunity, they took that opportunity to get themselves out of ketosis and feast and flex and eat those carbs, whatever it was. So we want right. to follow that rule of thumb and we want to achieve metabolic flexibility. And we kind of spoke about this on the last AMA that we did. Um, one form of metabolic inflexibility and rigidity is just burning sugar all the time. High carbs, eating frequently, that's what 88% plus of American adults do. Uh, and that's not a good thing. So they really need ketosis. They really need intermittent fasting. But then there's another side to this of only burning fat and staying in ketosis. That's another form of metabolic inflexibility and mm, rigidity. Well said. Yep. So we don't want any extremes on both sides. The magic, and you talk about this all the time, Mindy, is that metabolic switching. You call it that. I love that term, yeah. metabolic switching, right? But the question was, okay, at what point do I know I need a switch? Well, I would say this. First things first, if you're feeling amazing, like you're continuously, like your brain is turned on, you're still losing weight, your joint pain is gone, like you're getting amazing results, even though you're three months into ketosis, but you're feeling really great, and you're not a woman who needs to do more flexing, then go ahead and keep doing keto. Uh, but it, it's going to get to a point where, hey, um, you know, the body has now adapted to what you're doing and it's a little bit too much stress because ketosis is a stress and you want to flex out. The general rule of thumb that I teach my male students in my academy is um, three months and then flex. If you're mm -hmm. a woman, and Mindy will give you a masterclass right now, there's a lot of more intricacies with that as menstrual cycle versus postmenopause. So for men, I'll address you. Three months, start flexing. If you're doing a little bit longer, um, how do you feel? And let that be the gauge. So what about you, Mindy? What would you say? Yeah, I think that's so well said. And I, I like the structure of what you said, because I know that a lot of what we give are these kind of general ideas because everybody has to find their own path. But I think that rule for men is really, really solid. Uh, I'll make the, the woman one really simple. Um, if you're new to the ketogenic diet, um, you can try being in ketosis, you know, pretty much the first three weeks of your, of the month. Um, the first goal is to get into ketosis. And if you can get in there, you can stay there for three weeks, but you are not meant to be in ketosis the week before your period. Um, it's not the state in which progesterone can shine. So you want to step out that week. Now, what I, again, going back to some of the things that I said before, if you're feeling horrible during ovulation, then you're going to want to step out of ketosis then. Um, so it's, but to, for simplicity's sake, the week before your period, no ketosis. If you feel horrible in ovulation, then no ketosis, step out. Uh, the other, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, before you 
transition to the next thought process there. Um, don't forget that thought. <laughs> Keep that yeah. thought. Yeah, no, I got what, it. What do you say to, because I get these comments from uh, my YouTube channel primarily. When we talk about flexing for women a week before mm-hmm. your period, getting out of ketosis, they give me, I get these examples of this woman doctor or women influencer has been doing keto for four years or uh, carnivore for six years and they never get out of ketosis and they're doing amazing. Like, how would you address those comments? Yeah. You know, it's funny because there are some conflicting opinions on, uh, I think, thank you for asking that because there are some conflicting opinions about women and fasting and ketosis and pre-workout and post-workout. And there's some experts out there that I strongly disagree with. And um, the first thing I would say is you ought, you don't know hormonally what's going on for that woman. And uh, this this honestly dives into a, a deeper issue that that I feel like as people who are on social media trying to teach health, one of the rules that I, that I set up for myself, the values is that I will always show you my authentic self. Mm. I will not plasticize me. I will not over-exaggerate the, my results. I will tell you when something I teach is working well, when it's not working well. And yet, unfortunately, we do still have a little smoke and mirrors in the, um, in the health influencer realm. So I say all that to say we just don't know what's hormonally going on under the, under the hood. There are some of these influencers that have been doing carnivore uh, females forever. And I, all I want to do is run a Dutch test on them and, <laughs> and say, let's just look at your hormones. Because I can tell you that I have played so much with in and out of keto, in and out of carnivore, fast, long, fast, no fast. And I watch my hormones meticulously. Mm. And so I see what works. Whereas you can look at somebody on social and say they're beautiful, they're fit, they've been doing X, Y, and Z forever, they don't vary it. I want I say, let me see their hormone test. I'd like yeah. to see their hormone test. That's a fair, fair statement. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so I just think we can't, you know, I was somewhere years ago, I heard a pastor say, Don't compare your life to somebody else's highlight reel. Mm, yep. And it, and it you know, socials, a lot of highlight reels. Yeah. So I like, you know, just, and you're, the, this is, I think one of the things you and I really connect on. It's like, we, I can tell you knowing you, everything you put out on social is so you, it's so authentic. And we want to just make sure that we're not trying to strive for something that is not, it appears to be beautiful and appears to be good, but it's not in our best health interest. Yeah, well said. And I could, I could say the same about you. You show up authentically. And I, I watch a lot of your videos and I know you personally and you, you're the same person on video versus uh, in person. So I love that, yeah, Mindy. So you. what was the thought process? That okay, so the, this is the thought process because it ties into my second question, which is fruit. Where does fruit fit into this? And this is where I actually think our friend Paul Saladino actually has some interesting new ideas because he now is saying that when you want to um, you want to expand beyond straight carnivore, just make sure that you're avoiding the low and medium toxic foods. Well, I don't know if you've seen his list, his animal based yeah. uh, diet list. When you go and you look at these low and medium toxic foods, they're the fruits. There are a lot of tropical fruits. There are a lot of berries. There's a lot of sweet potatoes and squashes, a lot of meats, um, sauerkrauts. I look at that and I go, oh my gosh, that's perfect 
for a woman the week before her cycle, or maybe perfect at ovulation. And it's low in toxicity, so it doesn't have as many oxalates and lectins. So therefore, you know, it's going to be easier on the gut. So to me, that's the perfect time to start to use the proper fruit at the proper time. What are your thoughts on that? No, I agree. And um, so my thoughts on on it are, are this, like, where are you are? Where are you at with your metabolic health? If you're somebody who's still, you know, your metabolism is severely disrupted, you still have uh, insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, then you probably want to monitor or modify the amount of fruit you have. It doesn't mean you can't have fruit. I think there's a, you know, and I asked this question, by the way, to Dr. David Perlmutter, Dr. Richard Johnson, who wrote books on uric acid. So I asked them, like, what about diabetics? What about those who are insulin resistant? Can they still do fruit? And they think, yes, just, you know, modify it. Right. I do personally, I do really well with kind of like what Paul Saladino does, animal-based and a lot of fruit, especially on the days that I'm very active. Like I do really well with fruit. And I um, actually do too. I I actually yeah. I actually feel my best in exactly what you just said. Yeah. So I it works really well for me. But me and Mindy have done a lot of work on our metabolism over the years and we have metabolic flexibility. We don't have things like insulin resistance and diabetes. So there's not really I don't think there's a cap for you to have I mean, I eat as much fruit as I want, especially on active days. And I, I feel really good. My body's able to handle that. Um, To Paul Saladino's point, fruits don't really have these anti-nutrients and plant toxins and, you know, they're very bioavailable. It's different having the actual whole fruit versus fruit juices. So that's important to distinguish. We're we're not really talking about juicing your fruits all day long. That could be problematic because you're stripping away the fibers and a lot of the um, other other compounds that are going to actually help your body uh, process that fruit more efficiently. So uh, I love things like watermelons and, and um, organic apples and bananas and coconut water. I do yeah. really well with that, and it, it works really well for me. But where are you at with your journey? If you're still working on your metabolism, maybe not so much. If you want to remain in ketosis, maybe not so much. You could get away with some berries and some low gly- glycemic fruits, but it d- depends on where you are at with your journey. You know, I, I was thinking I could kind of equate it to when you and I learned Spanish together. That the first time we're going to speak in Spanish, it's going to be like four words and we're not going to say a lot. And then hopefully a couple of years down the road, we could have a whole podcast interview. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Right? So it's yeah. the same thing. You get into, ke- you know, the, you come to fasting the ketogenic diet, just figure out how to get into ketosis. Yeah. Then from there, figure out how to vary it. That's and good. then from there, now you got to get into the nuance of like what we're talking about, where we're looking at where fruit serves us. And yeah. and honestly, the person who ever who asked the, asked this question, I feel like probably went through what I went through. Um, our friend Andrea asked me one day when we were eating somewhere, and we both had been doing the ketogenic diet for so long. She asked me, "Okay, tell me the truth. Are you scared of fruit?" And I, and I stopped for a moment and I was like, oh my God, you're, I am. How, this was like five years ago. I'm like, that's not good. Nature made fruit. There's so many good things about fruit. I don't want to be scared of fruit, which is why when Paul put that chart out, I was like, yes, thank you, Paul. You gave me some sensibilities around fruit. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I changed my mind over it over the years too, because I, I like you used to limit my fruit and say, ah, oh, you really don't want too much fruit. The fructose, the fructose, uric acid. Um, I don't yeah. believe that anymore. I think it's really the juice, the high fructose corn syrup and the juicing that really is going to cause issues. But when I asked Dr. Perlmutter, um, mm-hmm. what are the top five 
things that lead to high uric acid levels. And we want a uric mm. acid under 5.5 um, most of the time. He said, there's five things that lead to uric acid uh, levels being too high, gout flare-ups, et cetera. He said, number one, fructose. Number two, fructose. <laughs> number three, <laughs> fructose. Number four, alcohol. Number five, high purine foods. But when he says fructose, he's not talking uh, really about the fruit, um, the whole fruit. He's talking about high fructose corn syrup and juicing. Mm. That's the issue. Um, so I hope that, hope that makes Explain sense. why. Because I think there, that is important. for it's can, Fructose, that word is so confusing to people. Because um, when I hear fructose, I hear high fructose corn syrup. And I think about what they add into our processed foods. But I also think about fructose and fruit. Yeah, and why why is that better? Yeah, it's a completely different complex. You have the natural um, in in fruit. You have the natural uh, antioxidants that are put there. You have the fiber. You have things that slow yeah. down um, the digestion, and you're not getting this high glucose spike. It's not processed with high fructose corn syrup, heavily processed, no fiber, no antioxidants. Completely different process. Yeah. And when I interviewed Dr. Bruce Lipton, have you interviewed him yet? I did. I did. Yeah. Yes. What a brilliant guy. So when I interviewed yes, him, he, he was talking about what high fructose corn syrup does to the brain. And he was referencing that when you consume high fructose corn syrup, it takes blood flow away from your prefrontal cortex, which is your decision-making part of your brain. And it delivers it to your amygdala, putting you in a stressful, fearful state. And then Crazy. he said, unfortunately, high fructose corn syrup was primarily found in these poor neighborhoods, right? Fast foods, grocery stores, and convenience stores. And it's a shame because that stuff is super toxic. You know, I, I think a lot of this ties in when we look at the, our youth and all of the mental health challenges that they're struggling with. I mean, one of the greatest things we could do is get high fructose corn syrup out of, out of our food system and get the inflammatory oils out. Yeah. Let's just start there. Just don't make them accessible for people anymore. Yeah. And, we, and we'd already start to see a shift. And it, yeah. it's you, the neuroscience behind it is exactly what you just said. We, do, we want our, do we want our 13-year-olds to be eating these high fructose corn syrup all day long, locking them in their amygdala, and then you know, giving them access to all, all kinds of things that are not appropriate for children? Nope. So nope. it's really – it's an interesting dilemma. This is – I was on an interview this morning where um, – the woman asked me everything I, she was asking all kinds of questions about chronic disease and fasting. And she, at the end of the interview says to me, you know, I, I see a general theme. What I hear you saying is if we resolve insulin resistance, that we can pretty much resolve any disease. Mm. And I was like, yep, any health condition. I, a lot of the mental health conditions that we're battling in this world, yeah. let's just handle insulin resistance and then let's step back and see what's left. And yeah. I think we're going to notice that like 90% of the things cleared up. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, it's absolutely. Crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. And then Dr. Bickman, his book is all about that, right? Why we get yeah. sick, insulin being that driving force. So there's a lot we can do. You know, that's why these there's conversations so are so important. Share it, um, yeah. you know, leave reviews, et cetera. I want to get to one more question before we yeah, wrap this up. We, okay. we can okay. keep going. Yeah, I don't have Okay, a just one, one, one more here because um, this is actually from one of my Keto Camp Academy students. Yeah. I recognize the question. She messaged me on tic, on Instagram. Um, you probably know her. I think you, you commented on her story. So her name is Kelly. 
she was diagnosed with stage four thymoma cancer, thymus gland cancer, mm-hmm. very rare. She mm-hmm. had her baby Maverick uh, during COVID and then got diagnosed with this cancer. Isn't that great? Yeah, beautiful name, right, Maverick? Great name. I, I, told I, I, would, I told If I, if I was going to name a child again, Maverick would be such there. A, <laughs> such a great name. Um, so she was diagnosed with cancer, thymoma, right after having Maverick during COVID. Imagine that. And she went down the conventional route and had surgery and all that. And it, um, she kept getting scans and it kept showing that cancer still is there. So then she discovered um, keto, intermittent fasting. She discovered your work, Mindy, and my work and uh, Thomas Seafried and Nasha Winters and amazing, amazing resources that are out there. And yeah. she came into my Keto Camp Academy and I started giving her some resources. And she recently had a scan two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And um, she was telling me she had her appointment. I'm like, let me know as soon as you get the results. And then I get the result or I get her feedback, her message. She said, zero evidence of disease. Completely oh gone, God. Mindy. Oh Completely my gone. God. I, I have chills. I'm like, I couldn't tell what direction you were going in there with this. I'm like, because <laughs> I thought it was a question. So I thought you were going to say it was still there. There is a question. You- okay. But... but- Okay, we can, that has to be highlighted because that is the body healing itself when it was given the right environment. Mm. So this is where I go to, you stop giving your power away because these fancy diagnoses, like look at the diagnosis you're talking about. Like, you know, nobody remembers it. Nobody can really even pronounce it, but it thyroid of the cancer or cancer of the, thi- of the thymus. Okay, well, why? What did the body do in that organ? What was that organ doing? And why did it start to accumulate more cancer cells? Every time we ask why, why is the body doing this? We will be led to the right answer. And that is amazing. So tell her congratulations. I mean, that's, yeah. that, ah, that is so cool. She's listening. So she, she heard you say that. And yeah, I actually interviewed her and Owen, another gentleman, Owen, who had the same cancer. I interviewed them both on my podcast. We got to bring her back because now we have the results. So anyways, her question is this, and this will be our final question, is finally got my period postpartum. What would you prioritize to ensure optimal health for someone who has been without a period for so long? Yeah. So here's what, here's where I wish I had my book to put in her hand because what I did, (laughs) it's soon, soon it's coming. Um, what I did is I created two resources. One is called the fasting cycle and one is actually a three day fasting reset that all women can, can do. And each day it tells you different length fast and different eating style. What, um, what I would say and what I'm seeing is that when we apply the principles of fasting and keto to the menstrual cycle, the way that I teach it, the way we discussed it here, when you do that for 90 days, within that 90 days, you're going to get your cycle will sync back up. If your cycle doesn't sync back up using those principles, I will be as bold as to say then your cycle irregularities is a uh, toxic issue and you need to look at detoxing. But every time I say that to a woman and I just say, follow the fasting cycle, follow the 30-day fasting reset, make sure you're, you're varying your fast and your foods, within 30 to 60 days, their cycles are back to normal. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, and, the book, and the book is going to outline that, which is Fast Like a Girl uh, out yeah. this December, correct? Yep. Yep. It's out. It's out December 27th. And um, what I will say is that we do have a free course giveaway for those people that buy pre-order the book. Um, but uh, so I, and I explain in more detail what I just said. So if you pre-order the book, 
we'll leave links in both of our podcasts on how you can get that free resource. Uh, so where do they pre-order it, Mindy? Uh, so it's on Amazon right now, but what I would say is the best place to go is to fastlikeagirl.com. Um, and, uh, order it from there. It's, I, I don't know if we've talked recently on this, Ben, I, I am shocked at how many women are like coming out of the woodwork to help support this book and how many women are like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I, I mean, I met with, uh, the CEO Reed Tracy of Hay House a couple of weeks ago, and he like saw so clearly how women need their own fasting resource like this that is got this variety of fasts. I, yeah, I mean, it's just been crazy. So many celebrities, doctors, like everybody's like, yes, can we please learn how to fast like a girl? It's so exciting. I love it. So exciting. I, I, I pre-ordered my book and we're going to bring Mindy back for an episode where we're going to dive deep into the book together. Um, do you want to yeah. go real quick, uh, rapid fire with the fun questions? There's three. Yeah, let's do the. Oh, of course, let's do the fun ones. I don't okay. want to miss out on that. So, uh, first one is, wh- wh- what do you wish you had known ten years ago? Oh gosh, ten years ago. Um, whew, I wish I had known to not work so hard. Mm. I, I mean, uh, ten years ago, I just was a sixty-hour-a-week working machine. And if I could go back, I would have I would have paced myself differently. I would have grabbed more moments with my children. I would have I would have done a different work pace. That's what I wish I had known ten years ago. And I do that now. It, yeah. I apply that now. It's beautiful. I love that. Uh, what about me, you? Yeah, for me would be, um, for me would be to practice self love and mm-hmm. gratitude every day. And when and also when things get rough. Do anything possible to find the gifts in that lesson that life is trying to teach mm-hmm. me. So always looking yeah. at the opposite side of things and not just focusing on what's going wrong, but the mutual benefit that I'm just blind. I used to be blind to see that. So for me, yeah. nowadays I practice gratitude, self love, and I'm always looking for the gifts in the uh, challenging lessons that I'm learning each day. Yeah. Oh, I-, I love that. Okay. Uh, uh, these are some fun questions. I, I'm curious if Jessica thought these up or if they're actually real questions. <laughs> I think um, did, did who's one of the most interesting guests you've interviewed? And I'm going to add in there why. Mm. Dr. John Martini. Yeah. Ooh. I actually just interviewed him for the second time again yesterday. And um, both were amazing. He's such an interesting guy. He's read over 30,000 books and he kind of like synthesizes all of the things he learns. And he's just got quite the brain, quite the mind. Amazing brain. Amazing. And, and I, I, love, I love the way he thinks about things. Very similar to us. I mean, he's a chiropractor, right? But he also right. believes symptoms are a gift. He also believes symptoms are the innate intelligence showing you something is wrong. Don't chase the symptoms. Figure out what's going on inside the body. And he has a heavy focus on the universal law of uh, polarity, meaning up, down, left, right, black, white. There's always a positive and a negative. And that relates to the nervous system, the autonomic nervous system. So if you're too much sympathetic, you'll get certain symptoms versus too much parasympathetic. And the goal is not to be too much on either way, but to get, get a nice balance. And he relates that to all the symptoms people face. So he just blows my mind with mm. his research and how he shows up. So for me, it's, it's Dr. John Martini. What about you, mm. Mindy? 
I love that. I, it's really, it's just like asking me to pick between my children. I know. It's, um, <laughs> it's too hard. And I would say that everybody I've interviewed, I've learned something from, and I love podcasting because of that. Me too. Um, I, two, two of them that really have like left a mark on me long-term. One is, have you interviewed Dr. Zach Bush before? Yes. Yeah. You, you just, in his presence, you hear him speak and you're like, I like everything makes sense again, like (laughs) health makes sense. The world makes sense. You understand why things fell apart. You see what we need to do to get them back on track. So I love that man for his heart and how he's uh, blazing a trail for us. My favorite spiritual wise has been uh, Michael Beckwith. Mm. Um, my mom studied at his ministerial school in uh, Agape in LA. Cool. And so I've heard a lot of his teachings. I've been, he's actually come to our home and we've been around him a lot. And spiritually, he is also another one when he, I brought him on at the height of the pandemic. And I was like, Michael, make sense of this all. Help me understand what is going on. And both Jessica and I got off that interview and we were like lifted up. We felt great. Again, kept it very simple, very easy to understand how we got in the mess we were in and how we would get out. So mm. I think those are my two favorites. Yeah, that's amazing. You cheated, by the way. You gave two. We said one. I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, sorry. We'll, we'll have, uh, we'll put, we'll, I have Rachel, our podcast notes person, put those episodes down below if you want to listen to yeah. those next. Last question yeah. is if you had 30 seconds to blast a message to the world, Mindy. What would that, what is that one thing you would say? Oh, I take your power back, take your health power back and start believing in yourself again, because you are the miracle. You are the hero. It's not the doctor. It's not the pill. It's not the supplement. It's not the diet. You are the hero. And it's time to start believing in yourself again. Mm, That was like 15 seconds. You nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) I've been on a lot of podcasts lately talking about the book. Can you tell? I can tell. You're (laughs) really. You're revved up. I love it. Um, I am revved up. I'm like, I'm so, I'm so entire tired of the health disempowerment. Like, yeah. let's stop. We are the healing tool that we need. We just need to know how to sharpen it and use it. So, yeah. Mm. There you go. Let's There's go. Uh, I mean, I would echo exactly <laughs> what, what you just said. Uh, and I said it on the last episode. If you treat your health casually, you end up a casualty. Goes back to what mm. you said. Take your power back. The power is within. And the next thing I would say is you you don't get what you want in life. You get what you are. And what you are are those thoughts that you have every single day. And mindset needs to be plugged into anything you're doing in life, health, finances, relationships. Work on the mindset. Take your power back, like Mindy said, and don't treat your health casually. Make it a priority and everything else will fill its place in your life. Yeah. Ah, boom. Mic drop. That was amazing. So I, it, I know every once in a while during this conversation, I had to remind myself we weren't just doing this for fun, <laughs> that there actually was a recording going on. That was, it's really interesting. I just, um, there's something very unique about having a conversation with somebody who thinks very similar, similarly, but is also seeing the thousands and thousands and thousands of comments yeah. of struggle and successes that people are having. The, the bird's eye view that we have you know, I, I spoke to a group of doctors uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, and when I got up there, the conversation was about how we can change healthcare for women. And I really made the first point for them to understand that I'm an individual up here speaking, 
but there are thousands of women behind me that want you to hear what I am about to tell you. Mm. And I will say the same thing that as we close this up, you know, you and I have this very unique view on health because we are in the trenches with all of these people. So, mm. you know, thank you for being in the trenches with me because it gets a little, it gets a little muddy and bloody in there some days. It sure does. You know, I'm honored to learn from you and have this relationship. And my audience loves when we get together. They're always like, when are you interviewing Mindy again? Or when are you going to do another AMA? <laughs> so I it's, it's such a blessing. And, and by the way, Mindy and I have a challenge. We're going to do against each other, which is ping pong. Mindy is a ah, yes. uh, a ping pong <laughs> champ and we have challenged each other to a ping pong match. So if you're watching on YouTube, let us know in the comment section, who do you think would win in a ping Ooh. pong match, Mindy or me? <laughs> let, <laughs> let us know down below and share this. Oh my God, yeah. And you might want to Google some of my past activities no, before no, no, you no. bet on Ben, you're just cheating. saying. <laughs> You know, this was so fun when we when that challenge came down because I was like, "Oh, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. It's okay. We'll just get on the ping pong table." So, <laughs> well, and that's all I'm gonna say. All right. And uh, November, my friend, November at Live It to Lead It, we're doing it. There you and go. And we will record it and bring it on social. <laughs> there you go, Mindy. Thank you for doing this. I love and appreciate oh, you. you. Oh, thank you, Ben. Love and appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. I love bringing thoughtful discussions about all things health to you. If you enjoyed it, we'd love to know about it. So please leave us a review, share it with your friends, and let me know what your biggest takeaway is.